Welcome to this next edition of Talent Talk, where we take an inside look at the stories within the athletic department. Before we get to this week's feature interview, we will break down the action from our last week of competition. Starting off with women's soccer, women's soccer team fell in a double overtime battle to FGCU in Fort Myers, October 17th. The Ospreys are 9-5-2 and 3-2-1 in conference this season. They'll continue conference play tonight against Stetson in DeLand. Women's tennis had its stay at the ITA regionals cut short due to Tropical Storm Nestor that came through the panhandle. UNF completed just one day before heading back to Jacksonville. On the courts with volleyball, volleyball went 1-1 on the weekend. They defeated UNA before falling on the road to Lipscomb Sunday. Rocio Moro picked up her fourth ASUN Weekly Laurel of the Year and her third Freshman of the Week honor after posting 63 digs over three matches on the week. Moro leads the league in digs and classmate Juliana Askew leads the league in assists. She's also third in the nation in assists with 887. So it was a full day of Sunday action after Nestor pushed some events to Sunday. Women's swimming celebrated senior day with a huge 169 to 85 victory against CCSA foe Georgia Southern. UNF would win 13 of 14 events on the day. Men's soccer got a very big win against Stetson, vaulting them into a tie for first place in the A-Sun. UNF won 2-1 behind goals from Bryson Smith and Landon Haig back-to-back in the second half, while junior LJ Estes went on to earn A-Sun Defensive Player of the Week honors. On the Lynx, men's golf was at Quail Valley, Quail Valley Collegiate, and finished fourth of 14 teams, another solid finish, and big games await for a number of sports again this weekend and into next week. But we've got a good guest on today. Real excited to have him on. Um, I'm Brock Borgeson, your host. Um, so he plays soccer and goes to school by day, but on occasion by night, he's also um, mixing some music as a DJ. Um, this is Herbie Stiegelman from the men's soccer team. Thanks for being on. Yeah, Brock, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to... Um I guess, kind of tell the story. Um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever met another, even DJ that's that's 18 years old. And I mean, it's a great, great profession. It's something that I can definitely do out of my own time. And I'm actually really excited to talk about it. So yeah. thank you. But I mean, that's one of the cool things is, you know, seeing the stories behind um, our student athletes. And that's a real interesting thing, especially with your age. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of people are getting into music today. You get rappers that are coming up at age 15 16 and it's kind of blowing your mind they're going on soundcloud doing all that stuff but djing is a kind of a whole other deal and running your own you know business so to speak right now um how did how did music begin in your life and then how did this like angle to be a dj occur yeah so um I never really had an influence, especially as a young kid. You kind of hear some of these other guys like, oh, like my dad was a musician. He was a guitarist, a pianist that I, I kind of grew up with the music. My parents never were really like that. I kind of figured that out on my own. I had some friends that listened to, to EDM or electronic dance music um, that were more centered around DJing and producing and, and different kind of beats that were more new age or um, from really 2005 on because we really had never seen this before with the synthesizers and the mixers and that kind of stuff and it really just started on my own just listening to different music and being like wow like how did they do this so I would look up videos on YouTube 
I'd researched some some artists that I was interested in, and that's really how I got my start. It was never a moment in time where I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And just kind of thinking, being, uh, I guess I was a sophomore, early sophomore in high school, and I really, I started it. And I was thinking, like, what can I do to make some money, to have some money? Because I, I really like like clothes and shoes, just like For any, sure. any teenager would. Yeah. And I wanted to have the, the best of, of the best, and obviously me being... Um, a little immature in that time, <laughs> but um, definitely has, has switched gears to really taking it seriously to, to be able to make some money on the side with having such a busy schedule. So going into DJing at that age and kind of seeing it as an opportunity, um, what did you have to do to get started? Did you have to, where did you look to find, you know, information on equipment, on um, <clears throat> just the skills you need to acquire, if it was even possible, if you needed a music background at all? What'd you do? Yeah, so that definitely took the most amount of time, not even necessarily learning how to use my equipment, but I actually started as a youth soccer ref in between my sixth and seventh grade year, and that's how I saved up for three years to make the money to purchase all the equipment so I how needed. many games were you doing? Oh, I was almost every single weekend that I was off, I had from probably 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at night, from Saturday, Sunday, any tournament that was open, um, especially being being local and being in between three soccer clubs at the time. For those of you in the area or know of Ponte Vedra, um, FISA, and, and I guess now Armada, it was super easy to get as many games as I could um, and just earn the money that I needed. And definitely my parents helped out a little bit. I, I promise you a 15-year-old kid, no matter how many games I, I ref, can't purchase mm-hmm. a $1,300 laptop on his own or, or the, the $400 speakers or anything like that. So it definitely... There was some, I guess, quote unquote, humble beginnings as a soccer ref, as a 15 year old trying to make enough money to, to start this business. Um, but that's really how it how it all got started was just doing the dirty work, refing games, being out there, being sweaty, knowing my end goal was to, to hopefully to do this. So go into you get the equipment. Um, what equipment do you get? as best as you want to describe in layman's terms for everybody. And then um, what is it like teaching yourself this stuff? What are the days like? When do you find time for it? Did you believe that you, I made a good choice in doing this? Like what was going through your mind? There was definitely some very rocky starts. So what I purchased in the beginning was a MacBook. I think it was a MacBook Pro, but it was in like 2013. So it was wasn't as fast Probably as one you of those see thicker it today. MacBook oh yeah, Pros. it was the thick yeah. one with the HDMI port. Probably had the CD yards. player yep, still in there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it was no, um, it was no supercomputer or anything like that. But it was exactly what I needed to get the job done. And um, I guess the best way to explain it is what they call a music controller or a DJ controller, music mixer. Is kind of what you see with the two. Um, how do I put this? Like I guess. discs. Yeah, in discs. A sense, exactly. Yeah. Um, the things that you see the DJ scratching, um, scratching. Yeah. for, for those of the, for those of you who don't know exactly what that is, it's what you see them pressing buttons on, hitting play, changing songs. Um, the main component other than the laptop, those two are the biggest things by far a DJ needs, um, followed then by the speakers with the stands. And then, um, honestly just purchasing the music, the music was honestly probably the most expensive, really the most expensive part. What do you mean by that? So, so who, where are you going for that? There's many different ways that you can approach it. There's there's DJ subscription services that you can um, go on and subscribe and you can use their music, um, but you have to pay a monthly fee. But I honestly went the safe route and I actually went to my mentor. Um, his name is Nate. We'll just call him Nate. 
um, Mr. Nate helped me out a lot. He gave me some of the older music, like the 70s, 80s, 90s, things that I wouldn't know too much about on my own, especially as a 15-year-old kid. I'm not going to know who some of these old classic rock artists are. So are you getting like instrumentals from like or yeah, like definitely. the Cars or something mm-hmm. or like, you know, Rushy? I don't know who yeah. you're getting it yeah, from. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's all, um, and I had to get many different kinds of music. So in DJing, there's... I can't just put a song on and hit play. It's not that simple as much as it may sound or as much as it may look. It's a lot of um, very complex movements and transitioning to one song or the other and matching what you call a BPM. So most EDM songs today um, are done at around 120 BPM, which is beats per minute. Right. And you have to match that BPM to a different song so the bass kicks are at the same time to transition into that next song. So there was a lot of planning and writing down things that work together, um, a lot of preparation in preparing for a gig yeah. or preparing preparing for really anything at all. So definitely um, going back to what I was saying about my mentor, he helped me like, an unbelievable amount of kind of starting to understand that because that's something that you can't really teach yourself you kind of definitely need some help in that realm. But as far as teaching myself the controls and how to work the thing, it was countless hours in my room with the door closed, with the speakers on full volume, blasting it at myself, trying to figure out what this button did or what this button did. There was definitely some YouTube tutorials um, put in there. Don't sleep on YouTube for the tutorials. Oh, no, I mean, those those provide a oh, lot yeah. of help. Yeah. You have no idea. You have no idea. I don't think any field in the modern world doesn't rely on oh, YouTube yeah. tutorials Absolutely. in some way. <laughs> in, in any way, shape, or form, 100%. Um, so definitely teaching myself was probably the hardest part. So when you're writing down what songs to mix and notes and stuff like that, um, is it simply I hear the ending of this song or this point in this song and then I, I have a vision with another song and I – Oh, maybe I'm going to mix them there, blah, blah, blah. What does that look like? Can you do something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lot of, I will spend three times more hours preparing for the event than I will at the event. Right. And you can ask any DJ and I promise you that that will be the exact same answer that they give you. And it's not necessarily this song in particular. I kind of set it more into groups um, that once I'm done, maybe with this section of songs, like let's say, for example, I'm doing a wedding and they do, they want a certain song. Um, for the bride and groom dance for the for their first dance and then they want a completely different um, genre for their reception then I have to kind of group them into what I need them for but let's say if it was for example like a 16 year old birthday party um, which I did for my friends countless times um, kind of reading the crowd and that's probably the biggest thing for a DJ you can prepare all you want but if the crowd's not liking it, you got to switch something up. Mm-hmm. Improvision is is the biggest skill a DJ can possess, like by far. That that probably takes a lot of tact when you're there, mm-hmm. um, and obviously assessing other other elements. Obviously, you get there and you see the type of people that are there, mm-hmm. or the age of the people, or you know what they're interested in, musically inclined to. Um, so, what are you doing in those preparation hours? Um, What's your work like if you have a event a month ahead? Um, when do you start working for that event? Yeah, um, it, what does that look like? Absolutely, <laughs> and it definitely, um, definitely to prepare, or excuse me, it definitely depends on the event and how I prepare for it. So, um, I'll, I guess two different scenarios are, like I said before, like a sixteen-year-old birthday party or a wedding. So there's pr- definitely two hugely different demographics in the sense that I'm kind of in that weird middle age of being an 18 year old let's say if I did um, because I actually did a 
a couple events for my old elementary school. So those kids are four through like nine. Like I'm not four or nine. So knowing mm-hmm. their kind of music definitely takes more preparation than if I were to do a 16 year old birthday party. Cause I can just, honestly, I can look at my playlist and be like, this probably yeah, will work. This will, this will work. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. And just talking, honestly talking to my friends when it comes to events around my age, it was a huge help. Um, just hearing what they liked hearing. Cause I, I, I mainly listen to personally like electronic music, maybe a little rap here and there, some pop music, not a huge country guy, just personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was going to maybe a 16 year old girl's birthday party and I was going to mm-hmm. DJ that they, I promise you will like country a lot more than I do. So I have to kind of branch out and maybe read some DJ blogs or, or look at the top, like top 100 for country music. Um, so definitely researching more than anything, um, is, is definitely the biggest thing. And that's the same goes, goes for the same thing on in weddings. Um, just kind of researching like what, what they like. And it's, it's a lot of talking to the the planners or if it's a fr- surprise birthday party, maybe, um, whoever's birthday it's for, maybe their friends, what their favorite music is, who mm-hmm. their favorite artist is. Um, you can't do all of it by yourself. You, you definitely need some help from some, from some outside sources. It's not, as much as it may seem like, oh, I'm running this business on my own, there's yeah. a lot of different factors that go into it that are contributed by other people. So before we get too far ahead, I guess it would be important to say, what's the name of your business? Uh, so my name, the name of my business, I go by Fyra, but my um, my website, my Instagram and Twitter are Fyra Beats. Okay. Why, why that name? So my actual, so I go by Herbie. Herbie is a nickname. My legal name is Herbert McClellan Steigelman the fourth. It's I, I figured fam- it was Herbert. Yeah. It's a family name. Mm-hmm. Believe me. I, I promise you no one would name their child after. A so you, you're the lucky name. one that said we need to pass this name on. So yeah. We're gonna oh yeah, it. for yeah. sure. So Fyra, I'm definitely probably not saying it right. Um, it's actually Swedish for four. Um, so I wanted it to have some sentimental value. I didn't want to just like, but oh, DJ turntable. Like yeah. uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But just personally, I definitely wanted something with a little bit more meaning that sounded cool and was less than like five or six letters, um, which made it a lot easier for marketing and trying to find a logo. Um, it looks better on a logo. Yeah, it's easier to say. It's quicker. Absolutely. It's got more of a punch. I mean, yeah. that's what they recommend. I mean, you know, with logos. and Yeah, you and, want something to yeah. be memorable mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so you come up with that name when? How long ago is this? Okay. Before I started the business. I okay. knew I needed to have a name before I started the business so I can market myself and not like change it up halfway through um, or anything like that. So definitely sophomore year. And so what's your next step? I mean, you, are you designing logos? Are you working on your craft? Are you going on WordPress? Are you making a blog? Are you making a website? Squarespace? What does that look like? Yeah. So my parents actually were in the dark for this entire process. So I actually, there was forgot the website but it was something you could go on and like find services for like a certain amount of money like graphic design or marketing or a voiceover or something like, it's like that. fiverr if you yeah, know fiverr exa- is. i think that may be it exactly yeah. um so i i went on this website and i'm like i really want like a really cool logo something that I can put on a shirt like on a hoodie and it just be recognizable something that's different from everything else not too simple not too complex just right like right in the middle so I went on and I, I found this guy who was super helpful uh, and he walked me through it. We had countless phone calls throughout the day and this was over about a two or three day span. And I would tell him exactly what I wanted. He'd go back. We'd talk about him like, actually, I, I was maybe trying to take this different approach um, or like a different way um, of designing it. And they had no, my parents had no idea I was doing <laughs> this. They're like, what? And You're just a grinder. I mean, yeah. you don't feel like you have to tell anybody. Yeah, right? and it's like, this was a 
40 year old man yeah 15 year old kid is on the <laughs> phone with talking about a dj logo like yeah. if you walked in on that conversation you would have no idea what like was going how is on. this happening what is yeah like is this guy crazy does yeah. he think this is going to be anything yeah like, and come I, on. I can't even imagine yeah. what this what this graphic designer was thinking like what is this kid doing like yeah who gave him his this far-flung idea yeah. yeah all this stuff for sure and so after i had the logo exactly how i wanted it i went to my mom like hey mom do you have like I don't even remember the amount. I'm like, do you have this much money? So I could like PayPal this guy. Like he just made my logo and he sent me all the forms. And, and they're like, no, you need to be a soccer official. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were so, I guess, just taken away of what I wanted to do. This just came out of nowhere to them. It wasn't like, oh, I was talking about it for three years. And I finally, um, like, I guess did it. It was, yeah. it was more <clears> just kind of, oh, like, wouldn't that be cool sort of thing? Like a, like a, like a dream that I probably wasn't going to get. But after I really showed a true interest, they were unbelievably supportive. My mm-hmm. dad helped me set up my website, helped me figure out how to actually secure a domain, mm-hmm. uh, domain name and that kind of stuff. And, and my mom is actually where I get, I guess, that quote unquote entrepreneurial spirit from because she has owned her own business for as long as I can remember. So she really helped me. What is it? Um, what does she do? She does. Uh, it's called Florida Training Solutions. It's a leadership and managerial um, development company that she goes around the city or even the country sometimes doing um, leadership activities, team building, that kind of stuff for executives or even um, employees. So she really loves what she does, which really helped reflect on me that find a job that you enjoy. Don't just go work at a McDonald's just to get minimum wage, just to make a quick buck, like do something you enjoy, which is super helpful. So that passion was innate. Um, and then you were just looking for a channel for mm-hmm. it, you know, growing up. So you get the logo, you get that rolling. Um, how do you promote yourself? What are you doing at that point? Like, obviously you have to have some content mm-hmm. um, to market. Um, what are the first kind of uh, baby steps there? Yeah, so word of mouth is the most underrated form of marketing that anyone could ever imagine. I have gotten more gigs from word of mouth and people talking or me just like wearing a t-shirt to school one day. I have gotten more and it's free. It's yeah, free exactly. Yeah. Well, I've gotten more publicity than anything else I could have ever imagined. Obviously, the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, the website are great tools. If someone who didn't know me was looking for a DJ in the Jacksonville area, um, that was significantly cheaper than some of the other ones. I mean, if you're gonna if you're a DJ with 15 years of experience, you're gonna charge a little bit more than a 16 year old with a one year of experience. So definitely, that was a pro for that. Was kind of marketing myself as, hey, I'm. I'm, I'm cheaper, but I'm also, I'm, I'm good. Like I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I considered myself, like, I, I think I, like, I know what I'm doing. Like I prepared myself well and I made sure that I wasn't hopping into it too quickly and making a bad reputation for myself. I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was doing before I took something as serious as a wedding. I mean, how many people do you know? I mean, that's a, that's a moment that if you mess up, I mean, Oh yeah. That, that kind of s- sticks with them, obviously, but with you, oh, yeah. knowing that you oh, yeah. messed up My as a DJ. would be down the drain. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely the biggest thing was um, just making sure I made the proper name for myself and allowing it to do the rest. So I had definitely word of mouth was probably my biggest thing. And being in a high school with such a tight-knit community, and, and I, didn't, I didn't actually um, play a lot of sports in high school, um, due to the the team I was on actually at Jacksonville Armada high school sports was something that they kind of preferred that you didn't do So you were more focused on this So I didn't have that connection But I had a lot of friends within high school that were unbelievably supportive and I definitely think without them I definitely wouldn't have gotten half the gigs that I did 
probably gave you a little bit of confidence oh, too, yeah. knowing coming from your peer group mm-hmm. and they can kind of bounce off what is in music wise for you to look into. And, you know, that's something that's cool to say. I mean, you can go oh, around yeah. high school, especially saying that you're doing that. I mean, yeah, that's definitely, definitely a perk. That's definitely a nice confidence boost. I'm sure. Um, so what's your first opportunity? What was the first gig and how did that happen? And then just we'll go into how you prepared for it. But what was that? So I wanted to start off on a really good foot with the people that I was DJing for. So the first event I did was actually a food truck Friday in my neighborhood completely free. Okay. I wanted to do the first four or five events completely free of charge to show that I had the capabilities of being paid for it and also for my my own personal self-confidence knowing that I can do it like whether or not money's on the line or my reputation or like the pleasure or the happiness of the crowd I wanted to make sure I could do it so the first one was a food truck Friday in my neighborhood and one of the most exciting experiences plugging it in for the first time seeing the crowd out there it was something I will never, ever forget. Just seeing it for the first time, plugging everything in, this, the laptop turns on, and instead of me looking at a wall in my bedroom, I'm looking at 100, 200 people out in the crowd listening to my and It's music. real. Yeah. yeah. It was surreal. It was absolutely surreal. Um, how did you prepare for that first event? That's a fantastic question, and I did not do anywhere near what I would have done now and it's it's the learning process was unbelievable so for the first event I remember having one hard drive so it was an external hard drive with like 500 gigabytes on it and I remember filling up like one-fifth of it with music and I just remember like my hands like on my like in my hair just so frustrated I'm like how am I going to play this four-hour event with an hour and a half of music like I I got to figure something out. <laughs> I, this is, and it was in probably, it was in a week. So I'm like, I have time, but not that much time. Yeah. So I immediately, I, I texted my mentor. I texted Nate. I'm like, hey, Nate, like I, I would love your assistance like on this first gig to get me started. He's like, he's like, absolutely. So he, he helped me um, for that first gig. And afterwards, he's like, you did fantastic. And, and now it's time for you like to spread your wings. Like you got mm-hmm. this. Like you did fantastic at this gig. I'm, I'm unbelievably proud of you. So that along with the satisfaction of my of my first gig going successfully and me reading the crowd and honestly taking requests was was also a huge help because I mean if you take someone's request and they're so happy to hear their song come on because I know exactly who did the request like, so yes, yeah like, when I see that's the, me like you tell everybody absolutely. we've all been there oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I hit play and I look over and I see the person who who requested that song get out of their lawn chair and start dancing that is the best feeling in the whole world like you have no idea it was so just amazing to feel that as a DJ and, and that you could have that impact on someone mm-hmm. through playing a song. And that's ultimately what it comes down to is just how happy I could make someone with me playing songs, moving and s- moving some knobs, pressing some buttons in the right way. Like it's it's just it's really crazy. So you go up to that first event. Are you nervous? Unbelievably nervous. Yeah. Without without question, I was shaking my my palms were sweating. I had dropped like my my speaker stands twice because my hands were so sweaty. And my my dad mm-hmm. actually helped me set up, and and it was it was just horrible. Like the setup, the whole process, and I'm just like I am shaking. I am just absolutely shaking. Um, but I mean, as soon as I as I started, and I got like the first couple songs, and I'm like, this isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Like I think I can do this. Like I think I'm gonna be all right. Like I mm-hmm. pro- I I think I'll survive. 
I don't think they'll be that harsh on me. These are my neighbors mm-hmm. after after all. So it, it definitely took some getting used to, but after a while, the nervousness did go away. What was the anxiety about mostly? Because, I, I mean, in our job, we, we rely on technology for yeah. everything, and we're always like, okay, we have a backup of a backup because we got to make sure this thing works. Mm-hmm. Was it technology? Was it your performance? Um, was it just thinking clearly and doing it, executing? What was it? It was definitely the performance. I had full faith in my technology. Obviously, there there's always something that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as my nervousness in that scenario, it was most definitely my performance. Am I going to play the right song? Am I going to mess up this transition? Am I going to hit pause in the middle of a song and just be dead silent really for well, like three yeah. seconds? Like, mm-hmm. what did I do? Um, it was most definitely my performance that was definitely keeping me the most nervous. So let's say you have that four-hour event. Um what does that four hours look like? What are you doing during that time? It is a mixture of preparing songs, reading the crowd, interacting with the crowd. Because um, DJing, in, at least in, in my circumstance, is not just you're behind the computer for four hours by yourself. You're interacting. You're on the mic. You're getting people hyped up. You're getting people dancing. If I'm about to play a line dance, I make sure everyone's on that dance floor wait, like waiting for that line so dance. So you're a little bit of a PA oh, yeah. guy too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and most of the events that I do is is half and half DJ and MC mm-hmm. um, and especially some of the school events that I did for my high school Barsham Trail um, here locally in, in Fruit Cove and then also my elementary school um, it was a lot of, of doing a mixture of both so for that four hours yes your legs get unbelievably tired and you're praying for a seat as soon as you're done but mm-hmm. it's it's super rewarding when you're doing this and you're you're seeing the happiness especially in the uh, honestly i think the biggest thing was the kids faces Mm -hmm. doing those younger events like seeing the the four five and six year olds light up with excitement if you play like let it go at a Mm -hmm. at a spring fling for their school carnival or something that is just an unforgettable feeling how do you know besides the reactions that i did a good job here like i've mixed it correctly i you know i'm doing my transition was perfect what is that like how do you know that you've done well it's, it's really a self-assessment, and I'm probably a lot harder on myself than I should be, but it, it really is a self-assessment, kind of reflecting, because you don't really, re- I don't personally realize it during the gig, it's more after the gig when I'm kind of reflecting on it, when I'm in my car driving home, and I, and I start thinking about, excuse me, thinking about the event and that kind of stuff where I really self-analyze, like, what could I have done better, or if it's like a perfect performance, I'm like, I just, I just got to keep that up, like, whatever yeah. I did. However, I was mentally thinking because it's it's half of it's mental and half of it's pressing the buttons, half of it's thinking about what you're going to do, thinking about the crowd. And it's not even so much the crowd, but my personal like self-talk, like what am I going to do next? Like, how is this transition going to go? That really played a big part in my self-assessment of how I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you practice then as well? Or do you, you know, or you say I have an event, I'm going to prepare for it. Or do you just, you know, devote time to practicing the skill? definitely practice and and it's not even practicing what you already know but it's trying new things new um, transitions new sounds maybe new songs or a new genre like like bef- like I said before I never really listened to country music so learning how to transition between country music and a completely different genre is was so hard for me I had that I hit I hit that wall for probably a couple months where I was just like I got to figure out how to do this because this is so vital this is there's so many people that like this kind of genre of music or like both of these that I got to be able to switch in between them. So practice was a huge part in continuing to keep up your skills. And it's kind of, in my opinion, it's you use it or lose it. 
mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like if I don't practice my skills when I have like a, like a month gap in between it, like events, cause I am super busy with soccer or school or something like that. Like I need to keep, keep my skills sharp. And that was finding the time in between homework and family time and friends and soccer to devote at least like an hour or 30 minutes a week, just in my room by myself. Mm-hmm. What, I didn't even need music playing. Mm-hmm. I just needed to feel the buttons and, and kind of just get my muscle memory back. So is the practice part mainly just operating the equipment and knowing where to go with what, you know, at oh, what yeah. times and with, you know, what time in between doing something and et cetera, learning the software, learning the, the mixing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even in front of a mixer most or mm-hmm. not necessarily most of the time, but some of the time it's in the car by myself counting beats because counting music is, is something that I definitely had to teach myself um, that I had never done anything like that before. I was never someone devoted to piano or trumpet or anything like that. I was kind of just a on the side, I liked music kind of guy, and I really had to teach myself how to count music. So in, while I was in the car with my friends and they were blaring music with the windows rolled down, I was counting beats, thinking about a good time <laughs> to transition between a song. If it was like a top 100 that I knew I was going to use, um, and that kind of preparation and practice. Did you ever view music that way until you got into it? Never. No. Never. But obviously you you loved music for some reason and it's always you know resonated with you to push you to do this because it all stems around the feeling that you get as well with the music. Absolutely. Um, you know, I know for myself, I don't go anywhere throughout the day without music on other than when I'm needed at work, mm. you know, or something yeah. like that. I always have music in. I don't know if that's the case for you. Yeah, that's that really has always been the case. Necessarily... Um, it wasn't always the counting beats or the how can I transition this song. It was never that mindset for me until I started doing this. But you can ask any of my friends, even now, if you see me without my like my headphones in or my AirPods in, like like I'm doing something important. Yeah. But all my energy time, is that. Otherwise, yeah, I'm having music in. Exactly. Yeah. And like walking, I could walk two minutes in between a class. I'm gonna put a song on in between because that's just my view Same. on music. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> just how I function and mm-hmm. like. It may like people say, oh, don't listen to music when you're doing like English or something like that. Honestly, that makes me focus like it doesn't lyrics or not. It's just always in the background. It's always like having that beat in the back of my head. And and I'm definitely someone guilty of this. But singing in the shower, 100 (laughs) percent, as stupid as that may sound. But like music is just a part of my life, Mm -hmm. whether I'm a huge big time producer or a small local DJ, just music has always been a very big part of my life. So you're an instrumentals guy too? Are you all about those and listening to those? Yeah. So definitely studying. Um, I prefer instrumentals, but definitely like lyrics doesn't bother me too much, but a lot of instrumentals or even like as, as cliche as it sounds like sometimes classical music when I'm doing some math, like just in the background on super low volume can just really help me dial in. Mm Mm-hmm. They say that's probably the best vibration yeah. a lot of times for studying, yeah. um, getting some classical music mm-hmm. in. Um, so what's the difference between, there's a lot of terms thrown around in music, like producer, and then obviously there's DJ. Mm. There's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. But what's time. the difference? A DJ is is kind of, how do I put this? A DJ is performing mostly your music that you have produced so producing a music producing music really producers didn't get any um i guess recognition until honestly recently it's a good point yeah like it like i don't know if you guys anyone listening or or even or even you rock if you've heard of 
Diplo? Do you know who Diplo Apple, is? Absolutely. Um, so Diplo, mm-hmm. before he got big, and, and he's actually from Daytona Beach, okay. Florida. Um, actually, my cousin was super good friends with him and would sleep over at his house all the time. <laughs> um, it was crazy. I had no idea until about two years That's ago. That's really wild because he's a big deal. I mean, he he's up there with you talking about Skrillex and yeah. Steve Aoki. I mean, yeah. they're just as Diplo is known mm-hmm. up to that level yeah. as well. And and it's gotten to the point where it's not a, necessarily about the lyrics anymore. It's about the music. So Diplo had been producing songs for um, like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, that kind of stuff. And you would never hear his name mm-hmm. until he started producing his own music mm. and producing music that was, I guess, quote unquote, instrumentals, no lyrics or anything like that. But when he started being featured. So when you see like producers actually have their own album, like uh, I don't know if you've you've heard of uh, Charlie Puth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. his um, producer, at least at the moment, that's is, uh, uh, he was in um, Fast and Furious. See yeah, you again. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, the See mm-hmm. You Again, mm-hmm. um, iconic song. Um, his producer, at least at the moment, um, I think I'm I'm trying to I'm going to try to say this right. Benny um, Blanco or Blanco. Benny or Blanco. Like. Yep. Yeah, it just um, came so out with. He's he works with Juice World. A lot of yeah, guys lose that his area name a lot. Was on yeah. that album. You never see that. Right. I mean, you don't. The The most prominent place nowadays is if somebody releases on YouTube and you're going through the description on yeah. produced by Mike Dean, produced yeah. by Metro Boomin, all those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true, though. They're they're kind of ghosts in yeah. the industry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they are, are really without their produce, like without their producing, without like, for example, like like Metro Boomin or mm-hmm. Murda Beats, like mm-hmm. those guys start people's careers mm-hmm. from their producing from their ideas and in my opinion they don't get the credit that they deserve and honestly recently is finally when they've started to kind of arise like marshmallow is a mm-hmm. huge hit especially with like Fortnite. he's like almost a brand oh yeah absolutely. at this point for 100 f- mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. and he is releasing his own albums 10 years ago you would have never seen that mm-hmm. you would have never seen a producer who has never spoken into a microphone on his own songs have his own album mm-hmm. you just don't see it well and it's a really a testament to the uh, opportunity of the modern world mm-hmm. um and the the rewarding of creativity um but you'll see a lot of producers now they're which kind of emerged probably within the last 10 years doing the the tagline you know mm-hmm. you know oh that's their their producer's tag at the middle yeah. the start of the song you know sunny digital or whatever it is yeah. you know it's oh i know it, i can probably expect here oh, yeah, and listening 100%. to this so who do you listen to? Who are your favorites? Um, you know, who inspires you right now? Yeah, so right now it's it's really a mix of everything. It's a mix of electronic music, pop music, top 100, um, rap music, just all of that kind of stuff um, really mixed into one. Like if you looked at my playlist, you wouldn't see one specific genre. But as far as, as getting me started as, as um, I guess, not necessarily mentors, but someone I looked up to, um, for music or for producing before it was even such a big thing like it is now was um, Diplo for sure. Um, Kygo, the, mm-hmm. the artist Kygo, he's had a lot of features or excuse me, features, especially recently with yes. uh, Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Definitely uh, Murda Beats, um, Metro Boomin, just like producers that made a difference in mm-hmm. my opinion because they they had the right mindset. They weren't in it for originally they weren't in it for the glory and for the fame that's why they were doing those those artists jobs like they were doing their their music and that kind of stuff and not getting the recognition but that didn't stop them they knew that like eventually like someone was going to notice them someone was gonna like give them their own shot and that's exactly what happened so me um 
seeing that and even seeing for an example for example like the chain smokers they started mm-hmm. off with that one hit song selfie mm-hmm. that's how they got started and, and they then, had paris and all these yeah, other songs absolutely and, and now they've yeah. completely taken over the mm-hmm. pop edm genre right. like you'll see them at the top like if they release a song it's in the top one it's in the top 10 immediately immediately yeah like within the first couple days mm-hmm. and that's just because they've 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 put the work in they started from the bottom and they've made their presence and and definitely featuring other artists that have already made a name for themselves definitely helps but even someone like diplo started from the bottom and worked his way up to producing for such big names and finally getting credit for it being on commercials having such a huge social media following and being such like having such an impact on today's music world and i definitely think without those people without those individuals producing music that it wouldn't be where it is today where they're finally appreciated and they're finally I guess not taken for granted as someone who, oh, you just make music. You put a couple hi-hats and a couple bass, like bass drops and a kick or two in here every once in a while. Like it's so much more than that. And their create, their creativity just never ceases to amaze me how Mm -hmm. they can do a completely like a, like one genre and completely switch to another and have no, um, like seams in, in where their music would fit in, in today's world. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have this knowledge base and these ideas if you're in the locker room with your team, are you expected to be the one bumping the music Actually, or how does no. it work? <laughs> so if you ask my teammates, 90% of them would not know I'm a DJ. They're oh, going to okay. listen to this for the first time. And, and, and not know like, about this? Like who the heck <laughs> would have ever Well, that's guessed. that's really exciting to hear yeah. actually, yeah, to my, be honest. My teammate today, I was actually in the training room getting cups, which is like suction cups on your, on your muscles to relieve tension. Um, I was sitting there like cupped up on my phone and I like clicked on my, my fire beats Instagram page and my trainer Luke was looking over my shoulder, looking over my shoulder. And he's like, he's like, Herbie, you're a DJ. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, I actually am. And no one would, so you're a little me. bit of a humble guy too. Yeah. I no mean. one, no one would believe me. No one's like, they're like, that's just such a far out thing for you to say. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like I started my freshman year. Like I, I started showing him pictures. I pulled up my website. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah, and they're that's like, what I do. oh my God, like I can't <laughs> believe it. And so, like I said, probably 85% of them have absolutely no idea what I do. Really? No idea. Why is that? Do you like to keep it close to your chest? It's a goal of yours, so you don't really talk about it a lot. Like you want to get somewhere with it. A lot of times people are like, yeah, if you want to achieve something, you don't say it, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And mm-hmm. it's it's def- it's definitely that. And it's also just, it's it's something that just has always been my personal thing. It's not something that I wanted to like sit at the top of a mountain and scream it to everyone. It's not like, Oh, hi, I'm Herbie Sagaman. I'm mm-hmm. a DJ. Mm-hmm. That's just not how I, how I roll, especially with this. Um, it's always something that's kind of been in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've done on my own on the side. And, and yes, it's, it's great if they, if they know. Um, but as far as the music in, in the locker room, I, I just sit there and enjoy it. I let mm-hmm. my other teammates, this is their time to shine to show show us their their, their sweet playlist yeah. to get us hyped up. Everybody's um, real particular about oh, what yeah. they've got on their phones. Oh yeah, so yeah. they they definitely they will have no idea. Mm-hmm. Which I, which in your in your words like it's it is pretty cool when they first find out they're like oh like that's so cool and it's it's funny yeah. to me that they don't believe me at first. That yeah, they're like there's no <laughs> that's way pretty rewarding. I mean, like yeah. that shows that, that you actually you know you've been making something out mm-hmm. of it. You know, absolutely. Um. So obviously soccer is this other part, mm-hmm. you know, and it's br- brought you here and it's pretty cool that you're not only 
having success with this, but you're a division one soccer player, mm-hmm. um, kind of go through how you balanced all of these different endeavors and, um, how North Florida got into the picture. It's been, it's been a very rocky road. Mm-hmm. It's been a very tough road and especially with so many different things. And so for me, academics wise, math was never my thing. So I always had to spend three times, um, more practice time on on math than I would on anything else which really put I guess not necessarily a damper because academics is always the number one thing but um kind of a I guess I I guess a damper on things that I would rather be doing Mm -hmm. like DJing or playing soccer so it was really finding that balance especially in high school when I started being a sophomore being an immature 15 year old kid having no idea what it entails to run a business or how to market or how to present yourself or, or make a name for yourself, especially being so young. Um, it, it was a very long road with a lot of learning opportunities, a lot of things that I probably should have done differently, but I didn't know it at the time. So I took that as a learning opportunity instead of beating myself down for it. I'm like, all right, I should have done this. I got to spend more time on this and this. Like, I'm going to go do that now instead of, oh, just putting it off or something like that to do what I'd rather do. Because without academics, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Without setting that time away for fun stuff and school stuff, I wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. So as far as, as North Florida coming into the picture, obviously being a local guy, um, I always knew about North Florida. I always knew about North Florida. And if you ask a lot of people when they when they think of their local school, they don't think of it really as a big deal. Like if you go and ask um, someone locally, like, oh, like, I'm going to UNF. And in my mind, that's like, that's sweet. Like mm-hmm. I, I've always loved UNF. It's always been one of the definitely like top three schools for me that I always wanted to, to pursue whether I played soccer or not. That really didn't matter to me. I could be here and be playing soccer and be just as content if I was here on my own. Mm-hmm. Soccer is, is a hundred percent like one of the biggest, um, was always one of the biggest goals of mine. And I remember sitting in the car, um, like driving past Bartram Trail High School and middle school and being like, I want to play for that team someday. And it always just achieving the next goal, like always setting those goals for myself is really, and I can't stress enough, like how important goals are. Like people say it all the time and some people just take it for granted. Oh, like they just shug it off. Like no one really cares about your goals or anything like that. But people should really be more um, tuned in to what they want. Because if you don't know what you want, then you can't really achieve anything. Without. Can't really choose your what your day's gonna look like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it and it goes day by day, and it also goes to my future. I knew I wanted to be somewhere where I felt accepted. I knew I wanted to be part of a family. So when I came, uh, like finally after years and years of, of grinding and and being on the B team and working my butt off to be on that next level and being on the A team and that kind of stuff, finally I got the notice of um, Coach Marinados. And he offered to um, have me come in on an unofficial visit. And that was one of the most awakening experiences for me because I was on a team that we were doing all right, um, but it didn't have the kind of family connection that I saw. And that really blew me away. And I didn't even need to go look at any other school. I knew exactly where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel at home here. It didn't matter. This could be a school in Los Angeles or it could be a school in New York. It didn't matter to me. I wanted to go here. Mm. Proximity to home did not matter to me in this case because I was so devoted to their family system and just how they treated each other was just so unbelievable. And it really, it starts from Coach Marinados and and trickles down into the players. Like I remember 
um, one of the players, Colin Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely, I absolutely love him. He's one of like my best friends on on the team currently, and and I remember, and I will never forget this. On my unofficial visit, I was in the weight room, and he came up, and he's he was the first one to ask me like, "How are you? What's your name?" And that has stood out for me for now. I think I was a. So what year was that? Yeah. This was, I believe, my sophomore year or junior year. I think it was my junior year. I think it was my junior year. Um, it was my junior year for sure. It was January of my junior year when this happened. And that has just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm like, I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. This is something I want to, I want to join. I want to be a part of, I want to consider myself part of this family. So that was the biggest thing. what's it been like to kind of, you know, get to play in your backyard essentially here at UNF and then, um, you know, have aspire to be playing division one soccer and then also, you know, aspiring to have this DJ business going and still being in the area where all your connections are. You kind of have this marriage of all these good things. What's that like? And did you think this could be reality? No, it would and not a second in my mind did I ever think it was going to be a reality that I could merge these two worlds, which I loved so much and I didn't want to give up that I could merge them together was just surreal for me. It was something that I never would have ever thought that it could have happened. And the fact that it did, I'm, I'm grateful every single day because I still have those connections that I made. I still am able to take advantage of that word of mouth. It's not like I'm starting over in a brand new city that I have these people like on, like in my corner, like still rooting for me, still supporting me, like my parents, my friends, everyone who comes to the games to support me as far as soccer wise and that kind of stuff. It's, it's something that I never would have dreamed possible. And the fact that it is, is, is definitely a factor in, in, in why I'm here and how, and why I love it so much here. Mm-hmm. And it's just something unbelievable. So talk about this first year of collegiate soccer and you guys, um, battling for the top, you know, spot right now in the A sun and, um, every game has been tight. Oh, you yeah. guys are stingy defensively. Um, what's the experience been like what's kind of lived up to what you expected and what's been surprising for you as a player nothing would i i i I don't know really how to say this without saying i didn't really know what to expect Mm -hmm. so i came in with a completely blank blank slate in summer b which is when i started my training and and when i started school um over the summer in june and we we just started training and i realized very quickly that everyone here has the same goal and when you have a full team of 28 guys that have the same goal and the same mindset you can accomplish whatever you want you can you don't have to be because we we are not the best team technically we don't have 28 individual players that are going to go out and score three hat tricks and and rainbow (laughs) every player they come across like Mm -hmm. that's just not who we are we are a team and we function as a team. We don't go off and do our individual things in a game. It's not like um, give the ball to this guy, he'll score. It's we build as a team. We train as a team. Starting from summer B and just learning that throughout the fall semester has been an awakening experience for me as a player. I've always been one, in my opinion, I always tried to give my best effort. I always wanted to work hard every practice, whether I was starting, not starting, on the bench, not on the bench, it just really didn't matter to me. I always wanted to put my mm-hmm. best effort in for my teammates. And when everyone has that same mindset, we have been able to accomplish so much. This year, and I know I wasn't here for last year, but even just, just seeing the difference in what I've heard from the older players has been unbelievable. The difference in the 
just the work ethic from from just day in and day out just understanding your role in the team not trying to do too much not trying not obviously not doing too little but just the right amount to make sure everyone's doing their part and that's really like you said um in the defense like we've really locked down that section we have mm-hmm. i think we're top 30 nationally mm-hmm. de- defensively I think you guys have um only you know a allowed around 10 goals this year something around there it's it's a very big Mm -hmm. difference from from last year and i know i can't speak for the guys last year but i guess just seeing their attitudes now i can't even imagine what it was like last year that it's been such a big change how have you felt that you've adjusted your training to you know really acclimate to the division one level it's been very hard i went from a team that was we were not the best in the in the development academy. We were definitely not the best. So jumping that level was something I never would have dreamed that I could do. And I, I always thought, because I, I wasn't the best when I came in for summer B. I was missing touches. I wasn't playing like myself. And finally, after a while and, and, and talking to the captains and, and some of the older guys on the team, it kind of helped me calm down and, and realize, like, I'm, I'm here for a reason. Like they recruited me for a reason. I'm I'm here to do my job, and once I realized that, I I settled in. I started playing into the system. I started doing exactly what they were asking of me, and and it's just gotten better and better from there. As as in my personal standpoint of getting acclimated to the trainings and the games, and it's just a whole different level. Mm-hmm. It'll be another fun one. Obviously, another Saturday night primetime oh, game yeah. that you guys have at seven o'clock under the lights. Um, Thanks, thanks so much for being on, Herbie. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for giving an inside look, and I know a lot of people will be enjoying and, and curious of what of what your world's like, uh, DJing. Yeah, and and thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and uh, great. Thanks again. Yep, thanks. Thank you again for the interview, pursuing passion on and off the field. Let's get into the look ahead for UNF athletics, beginning with women's soccer. They'll make the trip to Deland, as mentioned earlier tonight, with a 7 p.m. kickoff against the Hatters. And men's tennis opened up its time in Gainesville at the ITA Southeast Regionals with the first of four days there. Friday will have softball finish up its fall season at Florida against the Gators, while volleyball hosts Stetson Friday night and finishes the weekend when it hosts Kennesaw State Sunday. Senior night and the River City Rumble with Jacksonville is set for women's soccer. That's at 6 p.m. on Sunday night from Hodges Stadium. And men's soccer will have their own senior night slated for Wednesday night against Florida Atlantic at 6 p.m. after its Saturday night showdown against Lipscomb, a very important game. So thanks again for listening in on another edition of Talent Talk. Thank you for listening. I'm Brock Borgeson Swoop.